0: I'm actually going to preach for a while because I I want to mix things up a little bit. We're going to come back and and worship at the end. Um, Welcome. We're glad to have you here. We're doing uh, 40 Days of Purpose. We're answering life's most important question. What happened to the Bears, man? Wow. You know, um, and can they win with a quarterback as old as me? You know, I mean, wow, I don't know how this is going to work. Um, My fault, my bad. Last week, a couple services I said if the Bears went undefeated during the 40 days that I would, as a, you know, as, as a reward to you Cub fans, I would sing Go Cubs Go song. Obviously, I put bad mojo on the Bears by doing that last week, so I'm, I just apologize, Okay. Life's most important question is, what on earth am I here for? Why, why am I alive on this earth? And you need to figure it out, because if you don't have it figured out, and you don't know what role you're playing, it's kind of awkward. I had a little boy that was the ring bearer in a wedding, and uh, he started coming down the aisle, and he w- stopped, and he went, Arr! And he went a couple more steps and he went to the other side. And he kept coming down, going. And he's, you know, the crowd's kind of laughing at him. And he's starting to get a little embarrassed. And he's starting to tear up a little bit. And he doesn't know what's going on. And he gets to the front. And his mom's in the wedding party. She goes, Johnny, what are you doing? He said, I'm the ring bear. You got to figure out what you're doing because if you don't know what your role is, you're going to be really awkward. And and that's so the, that's what we're doing. We're spending some time figuring out what our purpose is. Okay, what is your purpose here on this earth? And you're not going to find it in a, a talk show or a self-help book or at a seminar. If you want to find out your purpose, the only the only way you can figure that out is to talk to the Creator. Or read the owner's manual. Okay, that's the only way that it's going to work. Do one of those two things. And we talked last week about our purpose in God, our existence, our intention, our significance are found in God alone. And we're doing this 40 days thing. Revelations 4.12 says you, God, created everything and it is for your pleasure that they existed. You are created for God's enjoyment. God made you because he loves you. God made you. He is your your father and he loves you. You remember what it was like looking down at your three-year-old asleep in a bed. The three-year-old that you wanted to lock in the attic a half an hour ago now is the most beautiful thing, right? And somehow God, you understand that as a parent. I will be going to my 10th straight Christmas madrigal performance at Lincoln Way East this year. Ten in a row. All three of my daughters were madrigals. You know what madrigals are, right? They wear the, you know, the dresses and they sing songs that don't make any sense. And it's, you know, this funky music, you know, this this highfalutin music. Ten in a row. My daughter is my youngest daughter, is a senior. I, I just want to tell you something. I'll never ever go again. I don't care if your kids are in it. I don't care if Jesus is in it. I am not going to another madrigal performance. The reason I go to the madrigal singers is because my daughters love it and they're in it. And, and the reason that God enjoys us is because he enjoys everything about us. And it's not because of the things we do. It's because he loves us. And, and that's the God that we worship. That, that's who he is. He loves us that much. Last week we talked about how we were created to be loved by God, that's why you're alive. And so the natural progression of this is we start to figure out what our purpose is, is that the first purpose of your life is to love him back. If God created you to love you, then your first purpose ought to be to love him back. It's that simple. Mark 12:3. somebody came up to Jesus and said, what's the greatest commandment? Jesus said, without missing a beat, love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength. That's the first and greatest commandment. Now here's your purpose. You're supposed to love me back. So the word for this is worship. We call it worship. My first purpose is to worship. I was planned for God's pleasure, okay? The problem is worship for a lot of us is kind of mundane. It's kind of boring, you know what I mean? A worship, I'm going to go to church. People are like, you're going to go to church? I mean, that sounds boring. I don't get that. Here's the deal. Worship, if you're going to figure out, if you're created for God's pleasure, then you should figure out what gives God pleasure. And one of the things is music, okay? I don't know why, but in the Old Testament, over and over again, it tells us to sing to God in the New Testament, it tells us to sing to god it 's all about it 's all about what we do for God and, and, and music is important, probably because music and emotion go together, music and our heart go together when i 'm out on a date with my wife i don 't play the sports talk station on the car. I play music, and I want music to set the mood, if you know what I mean. Not like country music, I mean like good music that will help things, you know, move things along in the right direction. And, and, and God wants us to have, he wants us to do music, and, and I don't know why, but that's what it is. Sing to the Lord with thanksgiving, the psalmist told us. Make music to, the God, to God on our heart. That's a heart back there, it's a string thing, right? I, I know some of you are saying, but you don't understand, Tim, I don't sing very well. I, I do understand. I can hear you. Why do you think we play the music so loud in the first place? It's because of you, okay? That's why, okay? I get that, but that's not the point. The Bible says, come let us sing to the Lord. Let us us give a joyous shout to the rock of our salvation. I mean, if you're at the NBA game, you don't worry if you're on pitch, right? If if you're at a football game, you don't worry if if you're, you know, cheers that you're yelling or the Whatever you're yelling at the ump or whatever's going on, you don't worry about what's going on. You, you're just excited. You want to be there, okay? And that's what it's supposed to be like. I need to say this. I know, I know some of you come intentionally late. I mean, we're all late, you know, time to time. And I know some of you come intentionally late because you just want to skip the frivolity at the beginning, you know, and get to, you know, get to the main event. Listen. The main event is not this. This is not my warm-up band, okay? Worship is something that we're supposed to be doing together. Do you get that? Uh, You need principles for your head, but you also need need the music for your heart. We need to worship God. So I kept the band and choir up here because we're going to lead you in a little rousing praise right here before we go any farther, okay? We're just going to... And you don't know this song yet, so you can just listen if you want to. You might want to sway a little bit. I don't, I don't know. You might want to clap your hands. You may want to stand. You may want to dance along the way. Hopefully you'll get into it, and you'll, you'll hear some of it, and you'll, and you'll understand, and you'll come along with us, and, and because this is what's going to happen for eternity. We're going to do this kind of thing. Now, here's the cool thing. You don't know, right? You're looking at Bill up there. You're going, like, "What? what's our executive pastor doing up there? Bill plays the guitar, I know you didn't know this, but he plays the guitar, plays the guitar really well, so Bill's going to play guitar as we lead worship on this, and I'm going to sing a not country song for the first time in a long time, and we're going to step out of our roles and be a little bit different and help lead you in some worship and see how it goes, okay, so you join us. You know what excites me about that? That's what we're going to be doing forever. I know some of you are like, I don't want to go to heaven and, you know, sit on a cloud. This is what we're going to be doing forever. And the Bible says millions of angels are going to be joining us, and we're going to be singing, and we're going to be dancing, and we're going to be shouting. It's going to be a party. It's going to be like an NBA game. It's not going to be like church, okay? And here's just a fun, exciting announcement I could throw in right here. Easter this next year, Is in April. You know, it moves around based on Passover, which is based on the lunar cycle. And it is the latest it's going to be ever this year. This next year it's going to be April 24th. It's really, really late. Two weeks before Mother's Day is Easter, okay? So we're like, Oh, that's weird. And then we thought, oh, wait a minute. It's going to be the best possible shot at having good weather that we'll ever have. So we've rented out First Midwest Amphitheater for Easter this year. We're going to take, yeah, I know, it's going to rock. You've been to concerts in there. I've been to concerts in there. I did a wedding for Sticks in there. I've got to tell you about that someday, uh, way back in the day. It's they, they, been used for the glory of a whole lot of other things, 11,000 seats underneath and lawn seats if we need them. We're going to have a Saturday service and a Sunday service and have Easter together. I used to think there's something cool about having us all together and having a big crowd together like that, so that's going to be going on. But, okay, and this is a big However, I learned to stop saying big but in my communication a long time ago. But this is a big however, okay? This is a big however. Worship is not just about what goes on in here, okay? Worship is awesome when we sing together. I know God was just rocking with that. He loved it. He's a little disappointed I didn't do black eyed peas, but he loved what we did, okay? I know that, I know that. But there's more to it than that. Probably the verse that best defines your worship in the Bible. In the Bible is from Romans 12 verse 1, which says, because of his great mercy to us, offer yourselves as a living sacrifice to God, dedicated to his service and pleasing him. This is the true worship that you should offer. Not just about the weekend, always, okay? Because of his great mercy, we offer. God made the first move and then we offer. Well, what do you get? A God who has Everything. That's a good question, isn't it? You have somebody in your life that's hard to buy for. You know, Christmas is coming up. My mom is hard to buy for. She doesn't collect anything. She has everything that she needs. She's a very unselfish person. You know, there's nothing that she needs, really. So, so it's hard to buy for her. Well, you know what? She doesn't really want me to buy for her. What does she want from me at Christmas? She wants to hang out. You know? She'd like for me not to have 97 Christmas Eve services, but that's besides the point. She just wants to hang out. What do you get for the God who has everything? You get you. You offer yourself to him. He doesn't, need, he doesn't need your trinkets. He doesn't need your things. He doesn't need a present. He just wants you. Because of God's great love and mercy, we offer ourselves. And what does ourselves look like? Let me go back to that verse, Mark 12. Jesus was asked, what's the greatest commandment? And he said the greatest commandment is to love God. And here's how you love God. You love the Lord your God with all your mind with all your heart and soul and with all your strength, okay? With all your mind, with all your heart and soul, and with all of your strength. So worship, first of all, is focusing my attention on God. I love him with my mind, okay? I put my attention on God. Sometimes guys will come up to me and go, Tim, my family, they they think I don't love them. I work for them really hard, you know, my wife doesn't think I love her. I work really hard, I bring home a paycheck, I I, I take care of the yard, I do these things. How come my family doesn't think that I love them? And And I always say it's because you've got to pay them attention, right? You need to be with them, you need to give them attention. Do you remember what it was like when you first fell in love? Do you remember what that for the very first time? Remember how you woke up in the morning and that person was your first thought? Remember how you chased them around at recess, right, you know? Because that was before stocking laws, so it didn't really matter. You could do that. You could chase them around at recess you know, and pull their hair. You remember what that was like, that total obsession with that other person? Well, that's what God wants for us. And the problem is that we have ADD, right? I mean, we all do. We all, my, my camera did not come with autofocus. Whenever I move over to another place, I have to readjust it. And, 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 and that's really hard for a lot of us. And the problem when I take pictures a lot of times is that I get my finger in the way, right? I mean, that's when you mess up most pictures, when you get your finger in the way. If you get your finger in the way of an autofocus camera, it starts to focus on your, ca- on your finger instead of on what it is that you're taking a picture of. Which is what Paul said in Romans 8. He said, when you focus on yourself, it's the opposite of focusing on God. You see what the problem is? This is what my problem is. Maybe it's not yours. I start focusing on myself. When you focus on yourself, it's the opposite of focusing on God. Anyone who completely is absorbed in their self ignores God and ends up thinking more about themselves than God. How can you do that? How can you keep focusing your camera on God and pay Him attention? How do you do that? Well, one thing that's really important is to spend some daily time with God. I mean, like away from everything else. Just a few minutes a day. I don't care when, morning, noon, or night, whatever. You just don't do anything else. And you think about God. You talk to God. You read his word. The Bible talks about this in Matthew 6 6. It says, find it, this is the message paraphrase. Find a. Quiet, secluded place, Jesus says, so that you won't be tempted to role play before God and just sit there simply and honestly as you can manage. And the focus will shift from you to God and you'll start to sense His grace. I know a lot of you, you didn't grow up in a church or you didn't grow up and understand how to pray and it's confusing to you and the Bible's confusing to you. Let me just, don't make brain surgery out of this, okay? This is not rocket science. Read the Bible, start in the book of John. Okay, don't, don't don't worry about understanding all of it. Stay in the New Testament for a while. Read the book of John, read a few verses, and talk to God like he was your dad. You don't need to say the right thing. There's no there's no magic formula, there's no incantation. He's your dad. Just like my mom wants to spend time with me at Christmas, your dad wants to spend time with you every day. Just spend some time. There's, there needs to be a place, Jesus said. I mean, you know, in the Old Testament, they had to go to the temple. Everybody had to go to this one place to worship God. It's so awesome now because we can worship God in here or we can worship God in our car or we can worship God in our backyard or in our living room. It doesn't matter. Just find a place where you and God can be together and then honestly be together. Don't, don't try to fake God out. He's not stupid. He made you. He knows who you are. Just be honest with God. Spend some time with Him. The second thing we can do is to develop a constant conversation with Him. This is even more difficult, I think. Psalms 105 says, Worship Him continually. Again, those of us, you know, and all of us to a certain degree, we get busy with our life. You know, we're going to watch the bears. We're going to, you know, make lunch. We've got to go to work tomorrow. We've got to figure out our appointments. We've got to look at our calendar. and, and, And it's all dictated to us. And all of a sudden, you can get to the end of your day and close your eyes or go to sleep and realize you never thought about God all day. So what do you do? I I know one guy who sets his watch to go off every half an hour. And every time it goes off, he prays. He just spent maybe 10 seconds. But he thinks about God. He refocuses his camera. If he's talking to someone at the time, he prays for that person. He's in a meeting. He prays for the people at those meetings. He, He just stops for just a second. And focuses in. Maybe you could use your iPhone or your Crackberry or something to help you out with that. Help, you know, we got technology. You can do that. You can make that happen, right? I know another guy who gets in it. Every time he gets in his car, I like this a lot. Every time he gets in his car, he prays, okay? It would be a habit that you'd have. But say how many times do you get in your car a day? I mean, a, a lot, right? Every time you get in your car, instead of turning the radio on, instead of doing something else, just pray for a minute. Might not last long. Somebody might cut you off. I, you, know, you know, all of a sudden you're thinking about, hell and stuff instead but I it's it's okay I mean there's got to be some ways to make that happen develop a constant conversation with God and here's the deal you're not supposed to do it for your own side benefit you're supposed to love God back because he loved you but there is a huge huge side benefit to this what is that well when you focus on yourself it makes your life crummy doesn't it when you focus on God, you can have peace. Isaiah 26 says, "You will keep him in perfect peace who trusts in you, whose thoughts are fixed on you." I don't, I don't know about you, but when I'm thinking about God, I'm not worried. Cuz I know who God is, and I know that he he is the master of the universe. When I focus on myself, that's when I get worried. That's when I get anxiety. That's when I'm insecure. That's when I get fearful. There's a great lesson on this in the Bible. You know, we're all worried about things getting worse, right? I don't want my marriage to get worse. I don't want the economy to get worse. I don't want my job to get worse. I don't want my kids to get worse. Worse, that's a, that's a bad word. We don't want that. But if, if worse happens, what ends up happening eventually is it can get to the point of worst. You go from worst to worst, right? If you look that up in the dictionary, worse is listed in the dictionary with all of its derivatives, And then worst is listed in the dictionary with all its derivatives, and there's actually a word, if you can think about the alphabet a little bit, there's actually a word in between those two words that can be the answer to your whole problem. Worship. You want to keep your life from going from worst to worst, you worship. You you, you get your focus off of yourself, get your hand out from in front of the camera, and you go back to God, and you go back to saying, hey... This is about you, not me. It doesn't have to get worse. It doesn't have to get worst because you're there. Worship is focusing my attention on God, my mind. It's also expressing my affection to God, my heart and my soul, loving God with all your heart and your soul and your mind. I, I, I know that heart and soul is hard for you, some of you. Some of you just have a hard time expressing affection. I mean, you know, Lonnie doesn't. I don't know if he's in here. I mean, you know, Lonnie came out of the womb and looked up at his dad and said, I love you, man. I mean, I'm telling you, that's who he is, right? And, and some of you are like that. You're like, oh, heart heart and soul, you know, veteran over singer Maggie, what's her name? You know, I just love God. But some of you are like, uh, you know, I'm not so sure I get this. Think back to the first time you said, I love you. Here's what your problem is. Think back to the first time you said, I love you to somebody. Do you remember that? Do you remember how hard it was because you didn't know if they were going to say it back to you? One guy was chasing this girl around. He really wanted her to marry him, and she just was kind of interested, but not really. Finally, one day he said, why won't you marry me? Is there someone else? And she said, there's got to (laughs) be. That's what you're afraid of, right? (laughs) That's what you're afraid of. They're like, I don't know. There's got to be somebody. You're like, no. You know, if you say, I love you, and Susie goes, ooh, that's just not good, right? So what did you do? What was the game you played? The game you played was you told your junior high friend to ask her junior high friend if she liked you, right? Because you you don't want to take the first step. Well, listen, listen, here's the great thing. God already took the first step. God has already... Said that he loved you he showed you that he loved you. He's demonstrated over and over that he loved you He made the leaves turn these cool colors right now because he loved you They don't have to turn colors when they die They could just die and fall, fall off the tree But God made him turn these cool colors so that you could know when you look out there. God loves me He made the stars up in the sky. You're never gonna go see those stars They're they're millions of light years away. Why did he put them up there because he loves you? He sent his son to die on a cross for you. I mean, I mean, there. you don't need to send your junior high friend to go ask God's junior high friend if he loves you. You don't have to worry about it. You can express your heart and soul back to him, okay? The Bible says we love him because he first loved us. It's really that plain and simple. And the truth of the matter is there are some religions out there, some false religions that believe that God is this angry tyrant and you have to appease him and you have to do all the right things or he's going to zap you and you're trying to run away from him because you're afraid of him. And that is not God. That is not who God is. God says, I don't want your sacrifice. I want your love. I don't want your offerings. I want you to know me. You're supposed to know and love God. God, The first purpose of our life is to know and to love God. The most important thing, really, you can know in life, you might even want to write this down. This is important. The most important thing you can know in life is that God loves you. And the most important thing you can do in life is to love Him back. The most important thing you can know in this life is that God loves you. Once you know that, everything else changes. And the most important thing you can do in this life is to love Him back with all your mind, all your heart, and soul with all your strength. I don't care if you cure cancer one day. If you didn't love God that day, your day was a failure. I don't care if you stopped the nuclear war. If you didn't love God that day, I don't care if you got everything done on your to-do list for the day. If you didn't love God back, your day was a failure because that's what you were created for. Because he loves you that much. Exodus 30 says he is a God who is passionate about his relationship with you. He's passionate about it. Do you get that? He's passionate. He says, I love you with all of my heart and my mind and my soul and my strength. So I want you to love me. I want you to passionately love me back. You know what it's like, ladies, when you get a Valentine's card from your husband. And, you know, it's got this printed stuff on there. And you're like, oh, this is, you know, this is kind of nice. But you know he just picked up the first card he came to. I mean, you know that, right? Happy Hanukkah. Oh, I'm sorry. It had flowers on it, you know. I mean, I, I, we don't spend a whole lot of time on this. I'll just be honest with you, right? And we don't spend whatever it said on there. We might have read it, we might not have, but we're going to give it to you, okay? And that's why it probably doesn't mean as much to you as it would mean if you actually if he actually signed it, right? And said, "Hey, honey, I really love you. Happy Valentine's Day." That means a little bit more. But but it means the most Whether he gets a card or flowers or chocolates or anything else, it means the most if he looks you in the eye and says, honey, I love you. That's the difference between coming to church and going, you know what? Hey, God, how's it going? Thanks for communion. I'm out of here. Or, 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 you know, or, or worship. It's the difference between worshiping with your entire life, okay? God doesn't want your duty. I know a lot of you grew up and, you know, oh, it's Christmas, i got to go to church, you know, oh, it's Easter, you know, whatever. And, and, and that's okay. I hope you understand that, 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 that worship is supposed to be, that we're supposed to love God passionately. It's supposed to be more than just getting through communion, grabbing a paper, and headed home again and doing our duty, right? My wife doesn't want me to love her as a duty. She wants me to love her from my heart. And when we worship God, we're supposed to love him from our heart. You love God with all your mind. And uh, and you love God with all your heart and soul. He just showed us how to do that. And there's one more thing. We love God with all of our strength. I've been married long enough to know that it takes more than a card to show my wife that I love her. It takes more than a kiss to show her that I love her. It takes more than me looking her in the eye and telling her that I love her. It takes the next step, and it's not what you're thinking, guys. It's emptying the dishwasher. Right? It's folding the laundry. It's taking care of the yard. I mean, there, there, it's fine to talk about love, but, you know, as Henry Higgins said, you know, you talk of love, show me, right? You've got to show me what the love is. And when we worship God, we, use, we worship him with our mind and with our heart and our soul, but we also worship him with our strength. Colossians 3 says, whatever you do, work at it with all your heart as though you were working for the Lord and not for people. Okay. Some of you think, well, if I was going to really worship God, I would go join a monastery. You know, or if I was going to really worship God, I'd get up at three o'clock in the morning so I could have a three hour quiet time before I went to work. Or if I was going to worship God, I'd come to church every day. Okay, no, don't do that. We'll call the cops. That's not right. Okay. You're not supposed to worship God just here. You're supposed to worship God wherever you go and whatever you do. Paul said, whatever you do, work at it with all your heart as though you are working for the Lord, okay? The problem is we keep, we compartmentalize our life. We think, well, I got my little worship part of life over here and so I go to church and now Tim's got me going this Dumb small group, and I got to be in that, and then I got my social life over here, and then I got my career life over here, and that's not, the, that's not what it is. It, because of his great mercy, because of his great love, we offer ourselves. We offer all of our life, everything that we do. If you don't get anything else I said today, get this one truth. In life, it is not what you do that matters, it's who you do it for. Okay? You're not supposed to do my job. Not a, not not. A, some of you might need to be a preacher someday, but not not all of you. You need to do your job. It's not it's not what you do in life; it's who you do it for. I don't care if you're a butcher or a baker or a candlestick maker. You do what you're supposed to do to the glory of God. Romans 12. Again, from the message paraphrase: Take your everyday, ordinary life. You're sleeping. You're eating. You're going to work. You're walking around life, and place it before God as an offering. Listen, real purpose-driven living doesn't happen in church. That's not the way it works. Purpose-driven living is about our entire being, our entire life. We make beds to the glory of God. We milk cows to the glory of God. You clean the garage to the glory of God. Whatever you do, work at it with all of your heart. God doesn't care whether it's incense and candles or a rock band and drums. He doesn't care if it's on Monday or Sunday. He just wants all of you, okay? And that's what's going to happen in heaven, The Bible says in heaven, we're going to give God our attention, our mind, we're going to give him our affection, our heart and soul, and we're going to give him our abilities for all of eternity. Here on earth, God wants us to practice. That's what we're here for. You can give without loving, but you can't love without giving. You're going to have to give. You have to offer yourself back to God. Romans 6, give yourself completely to God since you've been given a new life. Again, it's a response, okay? Remember that it's always a response, It's always a response because we know that God loved us. Liz Curtis-Higgs was one of the best-known disc jockeys in America. She was a wild woman, okay, really wild woman, lifestyle without God. In fact, Howard Stern was on in the AM station at her radio station, and Liz Curtis-Higgs was on the PM on the afternoon drive time, okay? And one day, true story, Howard Stern said, Liz, you really need to get your life together. That's a bad day, you know? If Howard thinks you're living a bad life, I mean, that, you know, that's a bad day. And Liz was a militant feminist. She'd been burned by men. She didn't like men. That was a lot of the following of her, of her radio station was women, and they, and they loved her. And she's very, very funny, very sarcastic, very strong wit. And, and so she had this huge following. She also had a couple of Christian friends. And her Christian friends kept bugging her to come to church and come to church and come to church. They knew what she was like, but they they wanted her to come to church. So finally, one day, she acquiesces and she decides to go to church. And they happen to go to Southeast Christian Church in Louisville, Kentucky, where Bob Russell preached at the time. Dave Stone is now, our good friends over there. She shows up for a service when Bob Russell is teaching through Ephesians. Just happens to be the passage that says, Wives, submit to your husbands. Perfect, right? You know, the militant feminist woman finally shows up, and it's on wives, submit to your husbands. And she's stirring in her seat. She said, I I just couldn't believe that this was the passage, and this was going on, and I was uncomfortable the whole time. But she listened for a while, and she got to the second part of that verse, where it says, and husbands, sacrifice yourself for your wives. You die for your wife like Jesus Christ died for you. And she leaned over to her friend, and she said, shoot. I'd gladly give myself to any man who would die for me. And her friend leaned back over and said, I know somebody like that. His name is Jesus. And that was the beginning of Liz Curtis Higgs' journey To faith, And over the next couple of months she started coming to faith, she ended up going there, she goes there uh, to this day. She is a phenomenal Christian author now and Christian speaker and she is going to be our Mother's Day speaker next year. She's coming here for Mother's Day, you are going to absolutely love her, she is a blast because God got a hold of her. Why? Because she finally figured out that God loved her and that her response then was pretty natural. Some of you are sitting out here today and you're thinking, you know what my problem is? You're right, Tim. My problem is I don't love God enough. That is not your problem. Your problem is not that you don't love God enough. Your problem is that you don't know how much God loves you. Because if you could ever figure out that God loves you so much that he has the hairs on your head numbered, That he knows everything about you, that he created you in your mother's womb, that every day was ordained by God in your life, and that he loved you so much that he sent his only begotten son, that if you would believe on him, you would not perish but have everlasting life. If you could ever grab a hold of that, there's no way you could not live a life of worship. There's just no way. Your problem is not that you don't love God enough. Your problem is that you don't realize how much he loves you. Worship is always a response. So that's what we're going to do right now. We're going to spend some time in worship. We're going to do it together. Your heads are full. Now I want your heart and soul to be full so that as you leave here, your strength can be full and you can live a life of worship. So we do communion every week at Parkview, and, and I think that's the part maybe we get worship more than anything else. We, we do, that's why we do it every week. We always will. I mean, it's just, it, 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 it's so important for us to commune around the cross and to, to remember this is how we remember how much he loved us. Greater love has no man than this, and he laid down his life for his friends. This is what we do. But I was thinking, just one last thought, because it's 10-10-10. You know that, right? It's, uh, I mean, there's only 12 days like this in each millennium. It's ten 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 today, um, which prompted a whole lot of us preacher types to think about the fact that it would be really cool to talk about John ten ten on ten ten ten. John ten ten is one of the coolest verses in the Bible. I quoted it last week. Let me back up and give you the whole passage, and I want I want you to see this. Therefore, Jesus said again, "I tell you the truth, I am the gate for the sheep. All who came before me, they were thieves and they were robbers." But the sheep did not listen to them. I'm the gate. Whoever enters through this gate will be saved. He will come in. He will go out. He will find pasture. The thief comes to steal and kill and to destroy. But I have come that they might have. This is John 10.10. I have come that they may have life and have it to the full. And that's an appropriate way to end the service on 10.10.10 with John 10.10. That we understand that our problem is not that we don't love God enough. Our problem is not that we don't love Jesus enough. Our problem is that we don't understand how much Jesus loves us. He loves us so much that all who come to him, he is the gate. All who come to him will find life and have it to the full. Not, Not forever life to the full by itself, but life here forever to the full. So as we take these emblems, as as the cups are passed, we remember that Jesus gave everything to us so that he could let us into the good pasture, let us to be into the kingdom of heaven, and that nothing we do can help get us into heaven. The, The love that we give back to God, it's a response to what Jesus has already done for us. Let's pray. Lord, there are people in this room who don't know if they've ever walked through the gate. They're sitting there thinking right now, I don't don't know if I've ever done that. I I don't know if Jesus is my shepherd or not. I don't know if I've gone through the gate. I don't know if I have life, abundant life. Well, today is the day for them. Lord, be with them. Speak to their hearts right now and help them to walk through the gate by saying, Jesus, I want you to live in me. I want you to be my king and my Lord. I accept you as my Lord and my Savior. Forgive me for all the things that I've done wrong. Forgive me for all the things I'm going to do wrong. Thank you for loving me. Thank you that I can believe in you and not perish but have everlasting life. But I can also have abundant life right here and now. Lord, I know there are people out there who are suffering. I know there are people who've who've got problems. They've got loved ones in the hospital. They've got bills they can't pay. They've got relationships that are blowing up. But Lord, you can walk with them. You can give them life. When we get the focus off of ourselves and our own problem, things won't go from worst to worst. We'll get our focus back on you, our faith back in you, and we will praise you. We love you because you first loved us. Be with us as we commune now. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.